Hey loves. Welcome to Sierra and Ryan. Talk the talk. Sierra and Ryan Talk the Talk is all about putting book talkers like you at the center of the story. We're here to dive in and find out everybody's main character moments. My name is Ryan at Rye underscore Brary on TikTok and my stunning co-host. I am Sierra at cc.b.reading on TikTok as well. Uh, Sierra and Ryan Talk the Talk is all about interviewing some amazing book talkers like ourselves and getting to know them for who they really and truly are. And today's guest, I'm excited about her, okay? <laughs> I'm a big fan of her. I think she's so awesome. I love her candor. Of course, I'm talking about Beth from over at the Cool Table on so TikTok. Cool. Beth is cool. Beth, Beth is, is cool. very, very cool. Matter of fact, very witty. She's got cool. I think I love her hair. She's got cool hair. I think she's got a bob thing going on right now. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. so. I just I just love who she is. Just she's very much just straight to the point, straight shooter. Those are some of my favorite people. They make me nervous, but they're some of my favorite kind of people. And Beth yeah. has a podcast. Mm -hmm. Her handle, the Cool Table, is actually her in her podcast that she runs, which is really interesting. I was listening earlier to them talking about the Gilded Age, uh, that new yeah. show, which is cool. So. They, I've, uh, I checked out their website. I mean, they all kind of put in on the website and they have different things that they're talking about, which I think is awesome. And especially because you're running a, a website, you need all hands on deck as much as possible. Every, every single one. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So I am just so excited to talk to her about not only books, but pop culture. Talk about Bridgerton. Um, I have, I Ooh. just really, yes. Yeah. So I just, I I'm just that. so excited. I can't wait to like have her come on and we just like get to know who she too. really Beth's is. That's so great because Beth also posts a lot of funny mom and wife kind of just not relatable type of mm -hmm. things. There was a post about, it was her birthday and there was an air fryer that her husband had bought <laughs> and it was like sitting on, do you remember that? <laughs> sitting on the kitchen table and Beth made a TikTok that just had me on the floor rolling. She's like, this yeah. happens to be my birthday and there's an air fryer still sitting on that table, hasn't moved. <laughs> it just, I just love that. I love when people open their lives up like that so yeah. freely and Beth is going to be a good, good chat today, I think. Absolutely. With that being said, friend, um, I think it's time we have a talk. I think it's time we talk the talk. Hey guys, we are back and I'm so excited to have our guest here on the show. We have Beth from the cool table here. Hey Beth, how are you? Hello, I am doing great, how are you? We are excited to have you. I was telling Very Ryan, exciting. I'm like, we were when we were picking out a list of people who we want to have on the show, I was like, listen, I need her on the show because Aww. I love her content so much. I love That's how it. you're just so matter of fact and straight to the point, like you're a straight shooter on TikTok and that is so important to me. So I'm just like beaming to have you. Can you tell my cheeks are like, Aww, <laughs> I am so you. excited to have you here. Now you have a little bit over like 9,000 followers on TikTok at this point. Yes, it's cl it's climbing to 95 mm -hmm. and I'm like, come on 10. Just, no. I don't even really care that much, but just get, get, just get there, just get to 10. You and I are in the same boat right now. <laughs> yeah. How, when did your TikTok journey start? 
Um, I started uh, June, I think, of 2021. Mm-hmm. So I had been lurking. I had, you know, had made an account. In fact, the first followers on the account were not related to Book Talk. I was just following random people, and uh, I decided we've got to start making bookish content because we've. I have a website. We've done things for years and years, and we just weren't on TikTok because we felt too old. Yeah. For it. And uh, then we just like, oh, screw it. You know, we're, we're not that old. Let's just do it. So I made my first post was about Bridgerton. And it went viral. It had like 250,000 views wow. in a, a week or two. And I was like, okay, now I'm addicted. This is the best <laughs> thing I've ever done. So, Beth, you so- just really hit like a major soft spot in my heart. I started, <laughs> I started TikTok in 2020. And it was, I had like no followers until... Bridgerton the Musical. Yes. Oh my God. Abigail Barlow and Emily Bear. This is like a TikTok musical. So you just said Bridgerton and I started sweating, getting hot and excited over here. Yeah. Were, were you talking about was, the show? I was talking about the show. Um, it's it's just like a 15 second, like it's about Anthony. Like that's mm-hmm. it. Like, a, you know, worried about season two or whatever. Um, but I had a friend who was, is very much on TikTok. She's been watching everybody. She was sending me Bridgerton musical stuff as it was happening. And I wasn't really on TikTok at the time. I was like, this is cute. Okay. You know, but I didn't interact with any of that. And then the first thing I ever made was Bridgerton and it went, it was, it was popular at the time. Still is. Wow. Yes. We're yeah. going to get to that in a, uh, in a second, but I wanted to ask, so you're the owner of the cool table. Yes. How long have you guys been doing it? Was there a reason behind it or you just were like, let's do, let me do something fun with my friends? Was it that kind of um, thing? Well, we started in, on January the 1st, 2020. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we were all, I had been, I've been doing what I'm doing now, which is just online book reviews, entertainment reviews, uh, comic cons, all of that stuff. The same stuff we do at the cool table for over a decade. Um, mm-hmm. We used to work at another outlet called That's Normal. It was that's-normal.com. Um, and that closed down at the end of 2019, the the two girls that owned it are good friends of mine. And they were like, we, we just have to, we can't do this anymore. Like we're done with publishing on the internet. And so a few of my friends that had been writing for that, um, with me, we were like, let's just keep going and we'll just, we'll just start something on our own and do it new. So 2020 hit and we were like going to be, you know, going to cons and doing all of these red carpet interviews. We had lined up all, like all of this stuff and of course nothing materialized. And so everything we were doing was still online, which we were used to. It was just mm-hmm. kind of a bummer in terms of like what we anticipated it was going to be like, but that's how it started. Um, are you guys planning on, well, I mean, I know the world is opening up again at this point kind of are you guys going to try to to do some of that stuff that you couldn't do in 2020 to do it now yeah yeah Yeah. I mean if if the cons are all back we'll go um and do the interviews in the circuit that we've been doing for for 10 years because it's too much fun to just not do it at all yeah wow gosh you just got me excited again comic-con I've never been but when I lived in San Diego driving to work downtown Mm -hmm. was the most exciting thing because you know you're driving and you're at the stoplight and all of a sudden Spider-Man is jumping across the hood of your car and you're like oh shit I'm (laughs) (laughs) is it exciting to live there during that time or is it frustrating I would have to imagine it's pretty horrible I only lived there for like eight months so we'll take that with a with a grain of I was 21 and excited so yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) I I will say that San Diego Comic-Con is the only place I've ever been where everyone is stoked to be there like everyone is so happy it's just a lovely lovely week it's so much fun 
I've never been, but I want to go. I I I see them all the time, and I see all the cool costumes. But I really thought it was just kind of like, um, just like comic, like literal comics. But you can kind of cosplay as anything to go. Oh, for sure, you can cosplay as anything. But I mean, even the content of what the con is about is a lot of movies and television mm-hmm. and and art and all kinds of other things other than comics. So it's it's a really incredible time. Now, I want to I want to kind of transition because you said you've been doing this for a decade, which okay. Yeah. <laughs> how did you get in how did you get into that? Was there are these your interests of your own or did you pick up a job after like college and were like, oh, "I guess I'll do this for a little bit." Um, oh gosh. Well, I I guess it started with Twilight. Can I will that will that turn everybody off? But that's how it started. Um <laughs> Just one I of us. was yeah, I was a fa- I mean, I was a fan fiction reader. I was in other like fandoms and I was I mean, I have a degree in literature. So I was a classics girl. You know, oh. I was the, the girl that was recently like read some crime and punishment, babes. I, that's how I was <laughs> at 22. So I felt, a, a, you know, I, that's why my only video about that was like, I'm so glad I didn't have social media in my 20s. Um because how embarrassing. But I, when Twilight came out, I hated it. I was making fun of everyone that was reading it. And mm-hmm. the movie came out, and my husband rented it, and we watched it. And I was like, oh, shit. Um, I love this. I have to read this immediately. Um, so I went and got the books at Walmart because I didn't want my regular bookstore people to see me purchasing them. Wow. wow. She was that's a how twi-hard. That's how ashamed I was. Um, I read the books um, and I started going online looking for fan fiction um, Mm -hmm. because I needed more of those characters, but outside of the way Stephanie Meyer had written them, like I needed more. And in that process found a community of like a, a blogs and all of that with like people that were making fun of themselves for liking Twilight. And I was like, oh, those are my people, the people who like love it, but also are not ashamed, but like are making fun of themselves. Yeah. And what happened was I just kind of realized that I didn't need to be ashamed of what I enjoyed to read. So I went from being classics girl, you know, Jane Austen and all of that stuff to being somebody who's like, oh, I'm going to read Alien Smut and I'm going to be cool about it and it's not going to be a problem (laughs) for me. But the girls that I found in that process ended up being some of my closest friends. They had, um, they ended up, you know, meeting Stephanie Meyer and getting to interview her and all of that because she did a lot with fan sites. Mm -hmm. Um, And then they transitioned once Twilight was over from a Twilight fan site to a pop culture fan site and asked me to write with them and do all of that stuff. So that's how I got started a decade ago. It was like 2012. So uh, listen, I was also a Twy, a Twy hard or whatever they were, whatever they were. I was a team Jacob for sure. Oh, I, (laughs) I was a fool for the body. It was the body. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, um, but so uh, let's talk about fandoms because I I know that you do like a couple of reviews and you talk about Bridgerton, which by the way, I loved how you broke down the, um, the new images for the Bridgerton season two, Mm -hmm. which I was like, she's going so in depth and I really, really, really enjoyed it. I'm not particularly a historical romance fan. Um, did you read all of the books in that series or are you just for, Okay. Yeah, I did read them all, but I didn't, Bridgerton wasn't really on my radar. I'd read historical romance, I'd read Regency romance, but, and I knew about it, but I didn't, she was a little bit older than the Mm. authors that I was reading. I wasn't reading stuff from the early 2000s or prior to that. I was reading stuff as it was being written when I started reading Regency, Mm -hmm. but I went back and read them all, and yeah, I mean, they're still not my favorite Regencies, but the show is amazing, and I mean, 
hands down one of the best adaptations I've ever seen. So you can't not love it if you care about romance novels because it is the way you want romance novels to be portrayed on screen. Absolutely. What, what made you love this adaptation so much? Um, the fact that they're not married to the way it is in the books. They're not married oh. to the details. Um, and they're allowing themselves not just creative license with casting and all of that, but also with the aesthetics and the way that the world is built. You know, you watch, it's the difference between the 1995 Pride and Prejudice and the 2005 Pride and Prejudice, where one is super, you know, married to how it really would have been. And one is giving you the feels mm -hmm. and they're allowing um, sex to work in a way in the show that it doesn't work in the novels, but still works for the audience. They allow um, the the big moments that are in the books to be still be on screen, but be adapted in a way that is less problematic. I mean, there's just there's a lot going on that they're doing that I think is just really top notch for adaptation. And adaptation is my world. That's where I sit. I love books to screen, whatever they are. Yeah. So the fact that this one is so so good is, I think really hopeful for like the way adaptations will move forward in the future. Do you think that, cause you've been doing this for a while now, do you think that having that full creativity to be able to move pieces around in a book to adaptation to movie or TV screen, do you think that allows like for these really record numbers of people watching it? Do you think that matters a lot? Do you think that it contributes to the, to the success of a lot of, a, of adaptations today? I, I think that this, it's a it's a delicate balance mm -hmm. because some shows try really hard to hew close to what the source material is and miss the soul of it. If you can get the soul of what you're doing and give people just like the hints of the moments that matter, you're going to come out, you're going to win in terms of adaptation. Um, and a lot of times showrunners are just like, you know, they're taking so many creative liberties that they miss the heart of it. And I don't think that Shondaland did that. They get the heart perfectly well. What's an adaptation? Let's get a little controversial. What's an adaptation that miserably failed? Oh, oh Jesus. Um, <laughs> well, part of the reason that we had a big audience right <coughs> as we were starting the cool table was because of Outlander. Um, I had read Outlander back in like 2010 and I was aware of the show as it was coming to fruition and I was one of the only people writing about it on the internet um yeah. so we got a lot of attention because I had written so much stuff about it and so we were involved in it from the beginning we were at all the red carpets and all of that oh, and wow. yeah the first season I thought was great um but I've I've I have a show called Hang Outlander that we've gone through every single episode of that show. But I sat down with the executive producer at Sony who brought the show to stars um, at dinner at Comic-Con the year it was premiering. And we were talking about the first episode and nobody else at the table had seen the first episode yet except for me and him. Um, mm. I had got, gotten to see it early and I'm talking to him about this particular scene in the first episode where Claire is with her first husband, the guy that she leaves in time or whatever and they had they I, I don't know how uh what your level of spice on your content is but oh, you're good. they you're they good. have a sex act that they perform or he performs on her that is not in the book in the books for a specific reason when she meets Jamie Fraser the Highlander in her pat in the past mm -hmm. he's the first person to ever do that to her and it's oh. informs a lot of their relationship right and I asked this executive producer, I said, 
why did you have Frank do that to her? And he was like, well, we wanted to show that she was like sexually adventurous and, and a woman, you know, who was, who knew what she wanted. And I was like, you're missing the soul of it. That's mm -hmm. not what's supposed to happen between these characters. And he didn't get it. And I remember like, just being like, man, are they going to screw it up? And in so many ways they haven't, but in a lot more ways they have. Like we have noticed like just throughout the years, it has steadily lost the soul of what those books are supposed to be about. They've made really bad choices. They've made great ones. I mean, the person they cast as their lead for Claire Fraser is amazing, yeah. but they've made other ones that, that miss the soul of what those books are supposed to be. And I don't think those books are perfect by any means, mm. but they meant a lot to me and the show kind of ruined a little bit of that for me. Wow. Okay, let's flip flop for a second. Okay. Is there a is there a fandom or book series where you would love to see an adaptation? And also, would you? Because I, I feel like you have since you have such this, this experience, I would. I feel like you would be awesome to have like as someone for a reference in terms of making sure that a, a show runs smoothly or it flows the way it's supposed to in the books. And I think that hap the disconnect between reader and then producer director whoever happens a lot so which fandom do you think deserves to have their to have their adaptation next <laughs> there's a lot that I there's a lot that's coming to mind that I would love to see um but one that doesn't get talked about a lot that I think would make a fantastic show is the original Sinners series by Tiffany Rice okay either of you heard of it I feel wow. like I have before so the first book is called The Siren um, and there's eight books, and it is a bonkers BDSM erotica series. Um, the 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 head of that series, or the main uh, woman in that series, is an erotica author mm -hmm. who is also a professional dominatrix, but she used to be the submissive to a Catholic priest who's a sadist. And I know that that I know that that sounds completely bonkers, but it all revolves around this BDSM club called the Eighth Circle and there's, you know, a guy who's in charge of that and he has power over all of these like politicians and people that come through and use their services and the erotica authors got all of these people. It is a just amazing amazing series with some fantastic characters and it would just be so hot to have on screen and really take kind of like the Fifty Shades stuff that's so banal and 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 not good and give like life to that end of the way what people want to read and what they want to see with something that's just spicy and delicious. I would love it. Oh my god! Okay, wait. What's, Sounds like there could be a really good, very interesting who's involved in that club. I mean, the stories I'm sure yes. would be very deep and interesting. It would be dark, mm. but also like very romantic and and also give like life to diverse sexualities and like diverse ways of exploring your sexuality because it's not just BDSM there's so much polyamory and pansexuality and stuff in that series that would just it it, it would provide a, an outlet for empathy for people who don't know what it that means in that space and I would love to see it mm -hmm. I'm gonna have to read this series I'll tell you that oh it's so Sears good taking notes I, I am <laughs> I haven't talked about it enough on my TikTok. I, I've always, I mean to. I've mentioned it a couple of times in like bigger, you know, recommendations, but I haven't done like a series of recommendations on it. And I, I probably should because I really do love it. Beth, earlier I mentioned that some of my favorite posts that you do are the kind of relatable everyday life posts. Um, I talked earlier about 
the post that made me cackle on the floor was the air fryer on your birthday that sat on the table. (laughs) But I love that you share so much. You share a lot about talking about your kids, about just life in Memphis. Hey, from Nashville. Mm -hmm. But um, what um, what made that kind of come into your social media presence? Um, I guess because I I'm very open. I don't, I don't, I like, I'm a very much an open book. I don't mind people knowing where I am or who I am or, you know, what I care about. But, um, I have another account that is not book related and it, it's not meant really to be, pu- it's not meant to be public. It's, it's just kind of like a more personal, um, account. And I did a silly stitch with something back in September where I mentioned something about my husband and it went mega viral. It's sitting at like 7 million views. So that account, yeah, and I didn't mean for it to, but that account has like 16,000 followers and I'm not even really making content over there. And so I thought, well, if they really like silly stuff about my husband over there, (laughs) maybe (laughs) I can just get them to do it on my book talk where I'd like to get more followers. So my husband also was big in the Outlander fandom with me. He did, we wrote a series called Things My Husband Says During Outlander and he got duped or deemed blurt lander because he would just get drunk and say horrible things during the show and I would type it all out and he count like a little bit of a celebrity status in the fandom for a while so he's hilarious and if I can get him on book talk I think the numbers would soar because he's very silly and funny that is too fun no we love love those posts and I love when people are comfortable to show more of themselves like that I think it's awesome so what are you doing outside of your what do you do for outside of books and entertainment and whatnot what does beth do for fun where's she oh, hanging for out fun at? yes i'm not hanging out anywhere right now yeah. i haven't been anywhere in two years um you know i used to go to cons and go out of town and do things and i sit at home but i am going to newport in a couple of weeks to see my friend amy who's um part of the cool table we're going to go visit all the gilded age mansions oh, she wow. lives there in newport uh, we're going to go newport do that exceptional yeah, so we're she's excited to show me around Newport. Um, what else do I do? Not much. I have two teenage daughters. I follow them around and try to be cool with them occasionally, um, see if they let me like take them places. I do a lot of thrifting. I love thrift stores. I spend a lot of time thrifting books and clothes and stuff like that. And um, I enjoy like fixing up our house. We've lived here for six six years, and we've almost renovated every space in the house. So. Mm-hmm. My husband and I are constantly doing that kind of stuff, too. Are your daughters on TikTok? Oh, Oh, I'm sorry. Sorry. Go ahead, Ryan. Where are you originally from? I'm from Memphis. I've lived here my whole life. you are. Very cool. Mm -hmm. Are you from Nashville? I'm not. I'm originally from Annapolis, Maryland, but I moved here six years ago for work. Nice. (laughs) I prefer Memphis. I I don't want to say that I don't like Nashville, but... (laughs) No, I cover Memphis for work, but I I have not been there in two years, so... Ah. Travel restricted. Yeah, yeah. So I was listening to the podcast, and I heard you said that they had record, uh, they had recorded a, a Real Housewives of Memphis, but it never came to air. Yeah. Can you give us like the rundown about that a little bit? So my hairstylist is, and, you know, she's awesome, and she has a lot of important people in Memphis coming to see her. And she mm-hmm. was telling me that there was somebody in her salon who had been part of the Real Housewives of Memphis. I guess, pilot. Yeah. Um, And it just didn't take off. And we were trying to figure out why, like what about Memphis, like wouldn't have the same kind of Atlanta vibes or or whatever. And I'm not sure yet. I'm not enough in the like 
you know, bougie area of Memphis to understand like what, cause I think they, I, I knew a couple of the ladies that were in it and I was like, that would be incredible. I would, yeah. I don't even watch reality TV and I think it would be incredible. So I think maybe it's just the market. I think people mm-hmm. think that Memphis is a little bit like less interesting and urban than it is. And it's one of the best cities in the country. So I don't know, but it didn't take off. Interesting. So I did want to ask, are your daughters on TikTok? Do you follow them or are they like embarrassed by you and have you blocked like most teenagers? <laughs> my, my oldest, my oldest has been on since it was musically, you know, oh, she's wow, had yeah. one for, wow. forever and ever. Um, and she has of course seen my TikToks. She was aware when my very first one went viral, she was, all of her friends were like, Oh, your mom is going viral. <laughs> And uh, she was embarrassed about that. So she does not follow me. I do not follow her, although I have seen her TikToks. They're, I mean, they're dumb. I mean, they're a teenager. Like, she's walking around with her friends, and they're doing dumb dances. They're, she's not making, like, content. Um, my other daughter does not like social media and does not have it. So. Wow. Yeah. Good for her. Yeah. Well, she's she's very into YouTube and Discord and that. She's a gamer. She's into, like, Twitch and stuff. But she does not like Instagram or Snap or any of that. Awesome. That's so yeah. awesome. I love that there's opposite. two completely different personalities there. Oh, yeah. I love that. I'm sure that makes for interesting conversations. Do your daughters read a lot as well? Or is that just a you thing? <laughs> Not as much as I would like. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of the books that I have, I kept because I thought, this is such a great series. They'll love it one day, you know, and yeah. they're not into it. And then, of course, sometimes I give them stuff and they really do love it. They don't read as much as I would like for them to, but they're still in school. They're so busy. They have some, you know, they're reading To Kill a Mockingbird and all that oh, stuff. They yeah. don't really want to pick up the YA series that I kept in 2011 for them. They're just, you know, they're not into <laughs> that right now. Yet. Yeah, 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 maybe one day. They keep telling me, like, uh, like one day they're going to have to just get rid of all of this. <laughs> like, it's going to be their job to be like, God, we're going to sell mom's library now. Is she going to be <laughs> mad at us if we get rid of this one? So were books something that were always a big part of your life? Or were you always a reader? Or did this just kind of happen over the pandemic like most of us, <laughs> you know? No, it was my – I mean, it was important to me. I mean, I – still remember the first, I have a tattoo of the first book that I remember picking up at the library. You know, it was, it was, I loved scholastic book fairs. Mm-hmm. Like that's my, you know, that was my whole childhood. Um, I was a theater kid and a theater nerd. So I was reading Shakespeare all the time thinking mm-hmm. I was cool. I started a literary magazine in high school, you know, like I, I've majored in literature. Like I, that was my whole thing. So it's always been a big deal, but really honestly, like 20 like no 2008 2009 like reading Twilight I know that's so cliche and sounds so ridiculous but it sparked me understanding that my reading was not for other people's consumption it was for mine and I had the perfect opportunity to look at all of the other genres that I wasn't reading and take them seriously and care about them in ways that just you know enhanced my life instead of it being something that enhanced my resume or whatever So, yeah, it's always, I've always read 50 books a year, um, but they used to always be the same. I used to read Lord of the Rings every summer, Mm. and I've I've read Jane Austen like seven times. I used to just read them over and over again instead of picking up something new. Right. Well, I have to ask, what is your bookish tattoo, and what was that first library book? Will you share? Yeah, it, um, it's, can you, can you tell what it is, or is it too... Um, it's the lamppost from The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. So oh, my I re- God. That's so cool. Yeah. I remember the 
where it was in my library in elementary school. And it was the first one that I just picked up on my own and decided to read. And of course, every kid ends up reading that series, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, But it ended up being the first play I was ever in too. So it just, it meant a lot to me when I was little. Wow. I love it. One theater kid to another. Love it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Are you still reading a lot of classics today? I know Ryan is a big fan of classics. Um, Not necessarily my favorite genre. I can't say that I have experience with it, but I'm always interested to, to understand like what about it pulls you in and makes that like it means so much to you guys. I'm just kind of interested to know. Sometimes. I mean, I'm, I I picked up Langston Hughes during Black History Month just to like refresh my memory on like what I loved about that when I first, you know, read that. Or sometimes I'll, I'll read a little bit of Shakespeare just to like feel it again. Um, but it's not something that I pick up on a regular basis for fun or for entertainment or for pleasure. Um, I haven't read like an Austin book in a few years, um, despite the fact that I, you know, I love those. I haven't picked up Toni Morrison or, you know, Dostoevsky or anything like that in a really long time, just because there's so much else to do and to read. And I've read the, you know, I feel like I've, I was very much immersed in Hemingway and Faulkner and Carson McCullers. I don't really want to go back for right now. Right. Understood. Understood. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Shakespeare is that interesting one. I feel like that it's such a good one. Just even one little... One little verse, you're like, yeah. Oh, and Shakespeare's yeah. so interesting because it makes. I always go into them. That's what I read the most, classic wise, and it is because I end up having to kind of dissect it and really think about what it says. And I find myself in a lot of other books, like glazing over and just mm-hmm. like I'm getting lost mm-hmm. in the page and, blah, 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 and all of a sudden I'm done with the story. Shakespeare, I sit there and I'm like, okay, but what did this mean in this context? Yeah. Who is the black lady? Let's talk about it. Like I just, there's so many interesting pieces of that. Um, and it's City Winery, friend in Tennessee. Um, mm-hmm. They're doing drunken Shakespeare. Oh, wow. Fun. So they've got Hamlet and I think Macbeth coming up in May. Oh, that sounds really fun. I think so. Awesome. Yeah. Now, I like to read Shakespeare for the psychology. Like I tend to... Like as I'm, because I'm writing as well and I'm thinking, okay, what was it about Macduff that made me understand? You know what I mean? Like I need mm-hmm. to, I need the psychology of, of how, how was he so good at giving us so much with so little? And that's tends to be why I pick it up. I'm like, okay, I don't remember what I loved about this character. I'm going to go back and read and find the couplet that really made me understand them. That kind of thing. This is like totally off topic. Did you just say writing? Oh, I was just about to say it. <laughs> writing a book? Yes, I have two books that I'm in the process of writing, and I am a procrastinator. Um, so it is not; it is the most slow-going process of all time. I can I can write a book review, I can write a whole recap of a show, I can write a pop culture treatise and a rant in an hour, and have it fully formatted and online. And writing a chapter of my book will take me a month. I just, I can't, but I don't force myself to sit and do it. Nobody's, I have to be obliged, you know, like I have to have somebody expecting something of me to do it. Mm. No one's expecting that of me. So it's not getting done. So you've never participated in what's it called? NaNoWriMo? NaNoWriMo. (sighs) I mean, how many times have I signed up to do NaNoWriMo is the real question. It's been several. (laughs) Um, But have I completed it? No. Because there's nobody like over my shoulder saying, you got to do it. So. What genres are your two? Are you willing to share? Um, well, one of them is a like a 
it's well, I want to say it's a period piece, but it's a '90s YA. Um, Hell yeah. yeah! It's a, I mean, almost like in Dairy Girls and uh, uh, oh, what is the other? It's a great show. My cat, all can I, all of a sudden I can't think of what it, what it is. It's over there on my thing. My Mad Fat Diary. My Mad Fat Diary. Mm-hmm. Um, did y'all ever see that? It was an English mm-hmm. show. It's set in like 1996, and it's so perfect. But um, kind of like in that frame, 90s girls, um, 90s fashion, but also um, a little, not autobiographical, but just kind of what I know. I was a church kid. My dad's a preacher. Um, and it's called Church Girls. At least right now, the working title is Church mm-hmm. Girls. Um, but it's very steeped in 90s culture, which I really love. I love it. Very I can't wait. Whenever you do finish it. <laughs> if I ever do. <laughs> I think it's time for us to switch. Let's do it. And we're going to do our show and tell. Every episode, we ask our guests to bring us something that either that represents them or that they're really enjoying or anything off themselves that they want to share. So, Beth, lay it on us. What you got? What are you showing and telling (laughs) today? (laughs) This was so hard. Like, how do you encompass what you think about books and like a thing? I know. So, I brought a couple, but I will, I'll show only one. Um, So, this is. Um, check please mm-hmm. by Ngozi Ugazu. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of this. I have. No. I but, have. Um, I backed her very first Kickstarter. I was reading this when she was still on her Tumblr, like in year one, like really, really early on. And I loved it so much. And every time she would update, it was so exciting because you knew how much work she was putting into like her incredible art and like these characters are my fa- some of my favorites. It's one of the only like fan fiction fandoms I went back into after I was kind of done with fan fiction. Mm-hmm. And so like, I love that I have all of her Kickstarter stuff. I have a curio cabinet upstairs in my guest room and it's mm-hmm. got tons of check please stuff in it. Like it's just so dorky and cute. Like that room looks like my grandmother lived in it, except there's like a web comic <laughs> with all of this sporty hockey stuff in there as well. So how many um, did she release? How many of the, there's four. I think the fourth Kickstarter has not, um, what are, whatever you call it. It's not done yet. Um, <laughs> but um, there's there's four of them. There's four years, so there's four books. And then they were traditionally published um, and in like two volumes, I think. Okay. So What's a yeah. little, for the, those of us who, are, who don't know, what's a little synopsis of the story? Um, Check Please is about Eric Biddle. He's a former figure skater from Georgia who goes to college in a, you know, imaginary college on the northeast, uh, upper, you know, northeast coast. And it's, he ends up on the hockey team um, because he's able to skate and be really fast. And he's afraid of checking because he was bullied. He was thrown into lockers, you know, that kind of thing. And so he has like this panic, he has panic attacks and the big burly um, Canadian, uh, hockey captain of his team uh, has to kind of get him out of that fear and in the process they fall in love <gasps> oh really, I mean that's a spoiler but is it a spoiler and it's not a spoiler no it's yeah. not really a spoiler oh so my god it, that's so cute make me read it <laughs> I know yeah, right also, it's so cute and he's also a baker like he comes in and he like bakes pies and jam- for everybody all the time so he's like this sweet southern ice like ice dancing hockey player who falls in love with like the very athletic like king of hockey who's his captain and there's just a whole host of characters that are wonderful and it's it's one of my favorite um web comics of all time it's so good oh my god that sounds so cute Uh, that sounds really good check please indeed check check 
check, wow. please. All right. What a great show and tell. And you I were know. one of the first Kickstarters. That's impressive. Yeah. She was, I mean, she was pretty, po- I think, pretty popular by the time she started her Kickstarter. But I, I mean, I was like, I'm doing it all. I'll get it all. I want you to have all the success. So um, I just, and now, like, I just backed Brandon Sanderson's Kickstarter. And I, yeah. I Wild. that's a totally different world. I'm like, I, you don't need me, but I must have your books. <laughs> the last time I heard he was at what, a couple, four, 25? was it four? Like 25 million. Like, yeah, it's, I don't even know at this point. Ridiculous. Oh my God. Good Mm. for him. Yeah. Yeah. Good for for me because I'm going to get to read those books in 2023. I'm excited. I've never read any of his uh, his stuff before, but so many people review it and talk about him. Um, I heard he's pretty I haven't either. I haven't read anything of his. (laughs) I assumed you did because you said you were. (laughs) Same. No, you just wanted to be a part. You know what? You go, Fair enough. I like it. I'm into yeah. that. I can't Supportive. handle that kind of FOMO. I cannot. I can't. It's too much. Were you in on the uh, Broken Blade when they were trying to, de- to de- de- decipher who the uh, writer was? Were you in on that? No. No. Only because, like, I don't think I'm book talk and, like, known enough to have. I have no idea. Like, I don't, you know, I'm not popular enough. I had no idea anything about that. So, no. Yeah. I didn't but know. I didn't feel FOMO about that. I don't, I mean, it didn't. It didn't hit me like that. But yeah. yeah, Brandon Sanderson having four books that you can only get this way. Yeah, that would make that. I needed. Yeah, yeah. That was really smart on his part. That was really, really smart. Oh yeah. <laughs> and then somebody in my comments, I made a video about him. Somebody said that he's like the Dean Koontz of fantasy, and I was like, "Don't oh. tell me that." <laughs> oh no. I don't want to hear oh, that. That no. makes me sick. I I'm did like, get the weird. You're wrong. I know when everyone said. I can't believe he did four. He's written four or five books, and the on top of the other two that were coming out, I'm like, okay, but those could have also been in the works for a long time. I mean, not yeah. Nobody, go, don't cancel us, but you know, we all have drafts of things. So I was like, mm-hmm. did all of those seven get written in? The <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then like somebody else is like, is he like the Thomas Kincaid of books? Like he could just churn a couple of these out every hour, and they're all the same. I hope not. I really. And they're hope pretty not. thick books. His his stuff is. Uh, they're not. They look- yeah. They're not sure. Yeah, they're serious. Either. Yeah. Yeah, they're yeah. serious fantasy. So, yeah. Eh, you we'll let see. us know how it goes. Yeah, Beth. please You'll do. I, I really, I can't wait to, to hear your review when you get it. I need to know. And I, I'm not expecting one for the team. Yeah, please, because I need to know, like, is it something I missed out on? Because I do love a good fantasy. Um, speaking of fantasies, are you watching? I don't know if, if this counts, but The Witcher, are you, are you, a, are you into that fandom? Um, I saw Henry Cavill at the Witcher panel at the last Comic-Con that he had. And I was kind of like, eh, this isn't, doesn't feel like it's up my alley. My husband and I tried it and he didn't want to watch it. So usually like if he's not into it, I have a hard time getting him to watch a television show that Mm -hmm. he's not into. And Henry Cavill's really kind of not my favorite. Um, he's not enough of a draw for me to watch a show. I'll put it that way. I do like him, but I don't like need to watch Henry Cavill. Wow. I, I thought I, I'm, I'm, I'm shocked because I really I was expecting to be like yeah I, and I think this this and this because I can't get into the show so I was kind of hoping you would be able to talk me into it I don't think it's that good okay well yeah. there, and then we, I'm not missing anything yeah we watched about three or four episodes and I was like this isn't hitting okay so. people love don't it feel though bad. and they love the series and so I was I thought maybe someone I, I just was trying to get into this series but I guess that'll never happen it'll never happen it's okay <laughs> I think that fantasy television is the hardest genre mm-hmm. to get right because yeah. sometimes it, you know, it looks so cheesy sometimes to see certain things. And 
Um, and you know, then they fall, you know, Game of Thrones falls apart in the end and people are disappointed. So, I mean, it, it's hard. You gotta, you gotta really keep it together. So True. Please, you just said some trigger words that, it, that one, that Sorry. one, that one burns me up so much every time it's mentioned. It's such a hard, sometimes I want to cry to think about the, the, how awesome it could have ended in the way that it didn't. It is so disappointing, especially as someone who watched from the beginning I'd never read the books, but I watched from the beginning. I was hardcore Game of Thrones fan, like, you know, Arya Stark Hive. That was me. Like, yep. and, and I think that's like, and then like how just kind of going back to what I was saying, like, that's so important to have someone like you who would like be in that, pro- that production area so that the, the writers and the producers or whoever know how important these characters are and how to move the story forward, even if the books themselves haven't been finished yet. Yeah. So, I mean, I think you would oh. be awesome. I'm just really talking up whatever this job is for you. Please, I would love to be in a writer's room and just be like, no. Because <laughs> <laughs> we need you. We need, we really do, we really do need you. There are so many, like, so yeah. many times you're, like, watching adaptations. You're like, what the hell? Like, I wish there was someone in the room for Ready Player One because that movie yeah. was absolutely terrible. <laughs> the yeah. movie was terrible. And I loved the book, so, yeah. All right, Beth, I think we are going to switch over to our last subtopic of the day. And this is our rapid fire questions. Ten quick questions. Very easy. You won't break a sweat, I promise. Um, We'll alternate back and forth. Ryan will start it off. And, uh, yeah, as soon as I can find them on this phone. (laughs) Okay, I got them. I'm ready. (laughs) All right. right. At or at burp, burp, burp. Beth at the cool table. Mm-hmm. Are you ready for mm-hmm. some quick wit? I'm ready. Let's do it. Morning, noon, or night? Noon. Favorite book growing up or your favorite book from high school? Persuasion was my favorite book in high school. Still one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where are you a regular? Um, There's a little pizza place in... Uh, I live in Bartlett, Tennessee, a suburb of Memphis. It used to be a Milano's, and now it's called Isabella's Pizza, and it's owned by some friends of ours, and my daughter absolutely loves it. They know when we walk in that she's going to have two slices of cheese with extra sauce buckets, and we go about once every two weeks, uh, just me and my daughter. So that's where I'm a regular. So cute. Um, A celeb that's a friend in your head or a celeb crush that you have? Oh, I have met many a celebrity having gone to several Comic-Cons and done press interviews and stuff like that. But my favorite that I've ever met and talked to is Tobias Menzies. He plays Black Jack Randall in Outlander, and he's in Game of Thrones, and you've seen him in all. And he is wonderful. And I just, because I have, like, videos of us chatting, I'm like, he's my best friend. He is not. But I do love him, and I think he is fantastically smart and a wonderful, wonderful actor. And I just... Anytime he wants to hang out with me, I'm like, hi, Tobias. He doesn't know me, but I like to pretend he does. Oh, okay. <laughs> Friend in your head for that reason. That's right. If you could take us anywhere in the world tomorrow, where are we going? Tobias can come. Mm. Um, I really love Edinburgh. It's my favorite city, and mm. I haven't spent enough time there. And it's where I'd like to go back immediately if I get to travel soon. I love it there. Mm-hmm. Do you fall asleep to music, TV, or nothing? Absolutely nothing. Silence, darkness. I want it to be cold and calm and completely quiet. 
Yeah. Yeah. What is your best Halloween costume ever? Oh, goodness. We used to do family group costumes. Um, that was that was a thing until my kids were like, uh, no. Um, <laughs> but my daughter loved dinosaurs growing up, and one year she wanted to be Alan Grant. And so I went as um, – is it Ellie? Why can I not remember Ellie Sattler? So I went as Ellie Sattler and held a, you know, had a little T Rex under my arm, and she was Alan Grant, and we were adorable. That's, That's so my favorite. Cute. Oh god, I love that. What is your theme song or your favorite go-to karaoke song? Oh man, um, well, as a musical theater person who <laughs> sings really well, I don't do karaoke. Oh, <laughs> 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 okay. <laughs> Because I hate to show people up like that, uh, <laughs> but you know, um, you know, I do love. Uh, I want to dance with somebody. I'll do that one occasionally. That's my you favorite. Can never go wrong with Whitney. Never. That's never, right. Never, never, never. She's the queen. How many books have you read this year? Oh, 20, 22 or so. Wow. Something wow. like I can't remember. I don't remember how many I read in January exactly, but something like that. Last question. What was the last thing to make you smile? Other than this podcast? <laughs> um, my bro- little brother just had a baby. She's two weeks old, and I spent the day with her yesterday, and she was precious. I was, was very happy to kiss on her face for a while, especially because my kids don't really let me do that anymore. So <laughs> she made me smile. Congratulations Amazing. to your little brother. I saw that you guys had guessed the same word in Wordle. Fjord? Uh, Fjord? Fjord. Fjord. <laughs> I had to show what? my husband. I don't wordle, but he does. And I was like, babe, do you know what this is? Can you explain why this is funny? Like, what <laughs> is yours? It's, so, it's so random. It's such a random word. Yeah. And it wasn't like we had used up a lot of letters yet. Yeah. What in the world? That was strange. I, I was like, mm, something's happening. There's a uni- There's some kind of the multiverse The simulation is off today. Yes. It was, <laughs> it was awful. I was like, I don't like this. Can you? And we, we wanted to like text our sister and see if she had done the same thing. But neither one of us had the like, guts to find out. You got to ask. You got to ask. It's kind of important now, you know? But I know. Yeah. We should have. Yeah. Beth, we really appreciate having you on the show today. Can you let everyone Aww. know where they can find you? All of the things. Give us all the rundown. All the plugs. All right. All, all the right. Plugs. So um, we're, you know, at the cool underscore table here and on Twitter. Uh, I think our Instagram is just at at the cool table. Um, and then I'm personally B.E. Thorne on Twitter, Instagram, everywhere. Goodreads. So B.E. Thorne with an E. Um, that's who I am. And our website is at thecooltable.com. So go go find us. We have all kinds of YouTube videos about Bridgerton and a discovery of witches and Outlander and a bunch of other things. And yeah, that's where I am. So much fun. Awesome. 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 Thank you so much for being on the show. We really appreciate it. I've enjoyed this conversation. Thank you for having me. It was lovely. Sarah will be smiling all day. I will. I will. Me too. (laughs) This is the highlight of my day. Thank you, Beth. Thank you guys. Thank Thank you. Right, we just finished with Beth at the cool table. How you feeling, friend? Excited. I really, 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 really enjoyed her. She's so funny. She's so fun. And so much experience. A ton. The I... English background is vast. That was that I mean, 
very, very interesting how all of that background, I love finding readers on BookTok who have been reading forever. And it's almost like the BookTok, this is kind of different for a lot of the talks we've had. For Beth, BookTok was after. Yes. It wasn't this, you know what I mean? Which I think is yeah. cool. I, yeah, I love that it's not a, like a defining point for her. Like she already had her defining point uh, in her journey. And I love that. Okay, let's just talk about how she just kind of was like, oh, yeah, I was on a panel and I just kind of like with an, with an exec from Sony. and I just Sitting at dinner with the executive producer of Outlander. I was like, <laughs> oh, okay, we're a frequent and, at the Comic-Cons. <laughs> and basically told him that you fucked up that first episode, which I love. I, love I mean, it's, it is. Beth is on it, like a really just honest and true. I love, I loved hearing about Bridgerton. And that what I, I've not read those novels, but I was obsessed with the show. I went full deep on Bridgerton the Musical. Mm -hmm. And finding out that those stories are blurry in the show mm -hmm. is kind of cool. I almost yeah. thought when um, Beth started talking, it was going to be the opposite. And that it was uh, that they did so well because they stayed so close to the source material. And... Mm -hmm. When we said, why was it so great? And because it allowed for that breathing room was a really interesting answer, I felt like. I mean, I knew that because I'm if I'm mis I'm not I'm not sure, but I, I know that all the characters are white in the books, I believe. So, oh. yes. Yeah. So I I am a little shocked when you think about think about what Shonda what Shondaland has done and. Because they're even bringing in like all kinds of absolutely different the queen. races. It's a I really mean, diverse. Yes, yeah, it's a diverse, mm -hmm. diverse cast, and that's why I really just wanted her opinion on like, does she think that these series are having or TV shows or whatever are having these huge uh, record numbers? Is because they're moving so much kind of from the source material in the sense of race and representation and things like that. And I am kind of interested to go back and read the first book because. There is a character who is kind of like, is he bi? Is he bi? What? What? Or he's he's curious, the, right? The, one of the brothers. I don't remember. Oh, actually, you are right. You are right yeah. because he goes to the brothel and he hooks up with that couple. You're correct. Yes. Yes. You are correct. Yeah. And so Very I'm like, is that is that source material? You know, or is mm. that something that was added? Be, you know, because of the time. So now I have like a lot of questions that I need uh answer but you know yeah but I, beth was uh, beth was awesome and then just like i love how she's been doing this uh at the cool table with her friends and it it seems like it was just kind of something that just happened and then they were just like yeah we're just gonna go run with this and we're gonna make it our full like a full-time thing which how often are you afforded the opportunity to, to do something you truly love and really get into get in have so much access to do things like go to comic cons and interview people and sit on <laughs> have dinners with Sony <laughs> Purdue execs you know yeah and there's a lot of background knowledge that you have to have industry wise not have to but I think aids in doing it well because mm -hmm. going through when um, Beth was talking about doing the Outlander I forget what exactly it was called. Um, but the by episode watch parties to kind of break each episode down into those mechanics. It takes a, a real discerning eye and someone who knows not only the source material, but production. Mm -hmm. And how I, it was a very, very cool 
and very fun that the husband is involved too. Hey, hubs, we yeah, like that. Yes, I love that. In the beginning, she when she was talking about her Twilight fandom and how she, you know, she learned that she doesn't have to read for everyone else, and that reading for her is just for her own interest, which is so important. And I think that is something that could actually get lost amongst us on the uh, book talk community. You know, reading what everyone else is reading, and you know, because you're feeling for that that fear of FOMO, uh, which she talks about with the Brandon Sanderson, so um, <laughs> which is hilarious, right? <laughs> Yeah. Um, but that's so important that you I definitely think that we all should be reading for things that bring us the most joy and um, it's satisf satisfying for us personally. So I just I'm a fan of Beth. I love her I so too. much. I need to stop rolling my eyes when people say Twilight because how fucking rude am I? What the hell? Just <laughs> we've all been, you know, and just honestly, I want to tell her like her. I never I didn't read the books until after I saw the first movie. And my mother, oh. my mother and my brother convinced me to watch the first movie because, like her, I was making fun of everyone else who was watching and reading Twilight, and then sure enough, became a part of the fandom. So <laughs> it's it's um, nice to see that you know we're not so far off in that in that sense as well. And that She's fandom amazing. is having a resurgence of life right now as their queen is Oscared up with Spencer, and their king mm. is living up in the streets of Gotham. So very interesting that, that both yeah. of them are kind of having a resurgence in this year. So, I know. And it's so hard to see them outside of that. that but that's for me. I, I can't see them outside of that. Because I mm. wanted to go see the Batman last night, actually. You did. I, I did. We can talk about it later. We'll talk yes, about I wanna it later. Know. Okay, I want to yeah. know. <laughs> but yeah, Beth was awesome. I enjoyed her. I, I, I definitely want to spend more time on like listening to her podcast and seeing what else they're talking about. I love, I love talking about pop culture and things like that. So I am just excited to see what she does next. I really am. I know. Really, really interesting person. Seems like, you know, Beth is like the coolest mom. She, she like, is cool. Mom cool at the cool table. table. You are. Yes. Uh -huh. Yes. Sure is. Sure is. With that being said, I think that is it friend. That's it Thank for you us guys. this episode. Yeah. Yeah. Please be sure to follow us on the social media. We are on TikTok at Sierra.Ann.Ryan. And we're also on YouTube at Sierra.Ann.Ryan.TalkTalk. T-A-L-K-T-O-K. <laughs> yes. Um, and don't forget, we are on a, a, a few streaming platforms. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Play. So please. If, oh, and we're on YouTube. So please, if you're, on, if you're watching us on YouTube, please subscribe. Leave a comment, review, share, 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 all the good things. Oh, yeah. Let us know who you want to see next, what you loved about Beth at the cool table, mm -hmm. and we will be excited to take it all in and talk next time.